0: Before we start, I want to be perfectly clear here. I don't hate the Brady Bunch. I just don't like them, in the same way that other people around the world seem to love them. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. The variety hour that we covered here a little while ago has sort of fueled my dislike for them, but on the whole, I don't find anything about them to be bad or unpleasant or... Any other negative synonym. That being said,
1: Are these really necessary?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yes, I know. I said the boss can't make me review anything Brady Bunch related, but that was more of a rhetorical threat. I didn't think they'd actually stoop to this. <laughs>
1: If it means getting out of them, I'll do it. But just because millions of people happen to enjoy today's subject... ...doesn't mean that I have to like what I see.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Okay. So, here we are again. Talking about something that has as many fans as it does detractors. Something that, according to at least one person in cinema was just as bad, if not worse, than some of the worst events in the history of mankind.
2: The Black Plague, The Spanish Inquisition!
0: The Brady's punch Union! But I'm sure he was being sarcastic, too.
1: And now, high in beta carotene... This is Tella hell Can you at least loosen me up so I can do the introduction? I'm not going to review this whole thing sounding like Paul Giamatti getting his throat circumcised.
2: <sighs>
0: That's better. Anyway... Not unlike a certain individual who lives on the other side of the afterlife whose birthday is coming up shortly, the Brainy Bunch may be one of the more famous cases of resurrection ever documented. Here's the story. Why did Sherwood Schwartz's second Magnum opus keep coming back from the dead long after the mothership abandoned TV in 1974? As we mentioned in our coverage of their Variety Hour back in Season 2, even though the show was, at best, a modest hit for the ABC network when it first aired... Its true popularity and endless profiteering for Paramount Pictures didn't really begin until after the show ended in 1974, and it would see an endless rerun cycle in syndication. A cycle that wound up netting the studio so much money that the only logical step forward would be to see just how much they could milk the cash cow dry before the cow itself turned into beef jerky. The Brady Bunch variety hour, though mercifully short-lived, would turn out to be just one of those steps forward. Then came the 1980s. Everyone in the Brady family was growing up, while the actors playing them were eager to do other things with their lives. But not so much that in 1981, two additional reunion projects would emerge. First, a TV movie that, as its title states, sees the Brady girls get married. Next, the original Brady Bunch cast is back for the wedding of the year. Both
2: of us getting married at the same
3: time. I think I better sit down
4: you are sitting down.
0: It's double romance as the Brady girls get married. And for what it's worth, at least that TV movie was a return to normal. No more sequined taffeta gowns or wasteful swimming pools to do musical numbers in. This TV movie was the Brady's Back to Basics, so much so that they even convinced OG Jan Brady, Eve Plum, to return to the fold. And as cheesy as that movie was, it did well enough in the ratings that NBC, which by 1981 saw their ratings at record lows, decided to roll the dice one more time with a full fledged spin off simply known as The Brady Brides.
2: It's a new life for two girls named Brady.
0: But as NBC later found out, having only two of the original cast, or three if you count Ann B. Davis popping up from time to time as Alice, doesn't replicate all of the magic. And the Brady brides got a divorce by the end of 1981. Many years would pass, with the Bradys continuing to gain steam as a syndication staple, and viewers being perfectly content with watching the reruns instead of seeing something new. And for the most part, that was okay. And yet, it just wasn't enough. The show was still popular, now decades after it originally ended, and the need to exploit that success once again was far too tempting an offer to refuse. However, by the late 1980s, television embarked on one of its perennial paradigm shifts. The last network that aired anything Brady-related, NBC, was in the middle of its storied renaissance under Brandon Tartikoff, and with constant number-one ratings at its disposal, the network didn't really need the Bradys to boost them, nor did the network that put them on the map to begin with, ABC, whose programming by that point skewed far away from the family-friendly stuff that had thrived on back in the late 60s, early 70s. This only left two options. A network that was still in its infancy that aimed for the young audience, or a network that was about to go through a series of hard times. While I'd like to live in an alternate universe where anything Brady-related would fit like a glove on the Fox network, that wouldn't happen in a million years. Or possibly 15. So, with Fox out of the question, CBS, long considered a network full of long-standing traditions, decided to be the third TV network to move into the Brady's home. In 1988... CBS and Sherwood Schwartz struck a deal to make a new Brady TV movie in the hopes that the nostalgia factor would be more than enough to not only boost the network's ratings, but possibly leave the door open for future Brady-related products down the line. And since both sides didn't want to say no to an obvious gold mine the same way Schwartz felt about his Gilligan's Island movies airing on NBC, everything was set in motion. And the Bradys would return to TV screens, just in time for Christmas 1988. But just as the holidays has a sense of tradition involved, Sherwood Schwartz's TV productions of the 70s and 80s also had one tradition that, with the exception of the Brady Brides' TV movie, it simply couldn't avoid for some reason.
3: According to the executive producer, Sherwood Schwartz, I was the first person cast for the series. Um, I had a chance at two other shows, and my grandmother said to me, which one would you like the most? And I said, the Brady Bunch, because... There would be five other kids to play with.
0: In the tradition of Eve Plum not playing Jan and Tina Louise refusing to play Ginger, Susan Olsen would be the latest member of the Sherwood-Schwartz family to sit out a performance. But unlike the other two, at least Olsen's excuse for sitting the next TV movie out was slightly more reasonable. By 1988, she herself became a Brady Bride in real life. And the filming of the movie would take place right in the middle of her honeymoon. Of course, nowhere is it written that a honeymoon has to take place the moment after you get hitched. So, Olsen pulled a Tina Louise and asked for more money. Though really, that was more of a Hail Mary because, according to a 1993 interview with magazine The Age, she really had her heart set on the honeymoon, saying, quote, It came down to money and bad politics. I was asking for way less than the other girls wanted, but they still wouldn't give it to me. End quote. So, there's no original Cindy in this story. But there still needed to be a Cindy Brady for the reunion to be complete. The role eventually going to actress Jennifer Runyon, who you may know best as either one of the students Bill Murray hits on in Ghostbusters. right. Tell me what you think it
3: is. Is it a star?
0: It is a star.
4: Very good. That's
0: great. Or as the girl who was forced to be interested in everything Scott Bayo said during season one of Charles in Charge. Do you love me?
2: Charles, that has nothing to do with...
5: Do me. you love me?
2: I've always loved you. I probably always will.
0: <laughs> but since this was a family show, consider this move to be a massive step up for her. But regardless of that recasting, 90% of the rest of the gang was back and ready to spread Christmas cheer along with the families they would make along the way. Which, by the by, is the reason why I'm stuck in these chains to begin with. Not because I have to review something Brady Bunch related for a second time, though granted that doesn't help, but because this movie has gone down in history as one of the all-time greats when it comes to TV movies. So, trying to find something bad to say about it is going to be a bigger challenge than I thought it would be. On the one hand, I gotta do my job, and I don't want my spine to snap. On the other hand, I've taken
1: down good things before, so I'm hoping the challenge isn't too difficult.
0: (laughs) And since this is a TV movie, our TV movie rules will apply here. Aside from the behind-the-scenes stuff that we already mentioned, anything that we say from this point forward is strictly about this movie and nothing else. I may be a lost soul, but pray for me anyway. December 18, 1988 George H.W. Bush was a month away from being sworn in as the 41st President of the United States. The Seattle Seahawks win their first-ever division title, and at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central, we hear that oh-so-familiar tune that's now become the bane of my post-living existence once again. On the plus side, at least it's not the sound of the Bradys doing the hustle. After that, and the equally familiar establishing shot of the Brady's home in Studio City, California, we see that, unlike their 1990s movie equivalents, Carol and Mike are adjusting to life in the 1980s accordingly, up to and including getting themselves into better shape on a predated Peloton that doesn't kill Mr. Big.
3: Oh, Mike, weren't these bikes great Christmas gifts we gave each other last year?
0: Some
4: gifts. Torture devices.
3: Uh, Speaking of Christmas...
4: I knew you were leading up to something.
3: Have you given any thought at all to what you're going to get me this year?
4: You sly little devil. Not only have I thought about it, I know exactly what I'm going to get you. You do? Yep. Oh, come on, what
3: is it? Oh, come on, Mike, please tell me, what is it?
0: Which brings us to the actual opening credits of the movie. And with it, seemingly unnecessary filler. A familiar problem to Sherwood Schwartz TV movies where they try to take a 30-minute sitcom and pat it out like a dress from the 1980s. And quite honestly, I've made peace with that gimmick. If you need to stretch out a thin plot, nothing's stopping you. My complaint, in this scene specifically, is that Mike and Carol seem to be having a rather lengthy conversation about what Mike is going to give Carol for Christmas. When it can all just stop by simply saying, No, Carol, I'd like for there to be some kind of surprise, and then move on. Instead, the movie feels that it can waste over a minute just so they can shoehorn in whoever else is in the movie. While we see how the Brady House looks with a 1980s makeover. Which is one positive I'll give it, because if they still had that ugly orange kitchen in 1988, the resale value on the house would nosedive. Anyway, I've digressed on this part long enough.
3: Mike, you can't do this to me. You can't tell me you know what you're going to get me and not tell me what it is.
0: Yes,
4: I can. You know why?
0: No, why? Because I'm
4: mean and cruel and sadistic.
0: Yes, I know that. I just hope you're generous, too. (laughs) Seriously? The thing that I said could be happening during the credits happened after the credits. Deck the halls with wasteful filming, as we then see... I thought maybe
3: you and I could do some business together,
4: here. You tempt me. You really do.
0: <laughs> dialogue that would better fit in a Brady Bunch porno, apparently.
2: Till the summer when the lady takes the fellow And they knew that it was much more than just lunch but the two must get it on together It was a real good home. Holy That's
6: living so fuck, Brady. I was kidding I didn't think that was a real thing Go back to the G-rated Bradys,
3: please I
4: have to meet Ted Roberts, you're the one who introduced us
3: I didn't know it was going to ruin my love life
4: you know, he really seems impressed with the new plans I've done for his building.
0: Why not? You are the best architect this side of Frank Lloyd Wright. After that bit of foreshadowing, Ma Brady tries to sniff out some information from her now grown-up children, though done in such a way that it seems like she's talking to all of them at the same time.
3: Oh, Marcia, I am so excited about the Christmas present I'm getting him. I had to tell someone or I'll bust.
0: And so you called me.
3: Who else would I call, Greg?
4: What are you getting, Dad?
3: It's a trip to Greece. Greece, that's great Now Peter, I'm counting on you to keep it quiet I bet
0: you told everybody about this
3: So you really think it's a good present, Cindy? Mom, I think it's a great present I mean, who wouldn't want a trip to Greece for Christmas?
0: And for the sake of padding things out, Pa Brady does the exact same bit How do you think your mother would like it
4: if I surprised her with a trip to Japan?
0: Japan? Yeah, Japan You know,
4: pagodas, the Ginza, geisha girls, things like that
3: When are you planning this trip, Dad?
4: December. It's a Christmas gift. We've been saving up all this money for years. The vacation account. I bet that's what you're using, huh? You kids are smart.
0: Let me guess. We're about to do a gift of the Magi thing, aren't we? I'll give credit to the Bradys for one thing. It's predictable predictability, not to mention an inevitable conclusion to that predictability that you could see from outer space. But before we reach that inevitable conclusion, the Bradys aren't the Bradys without their handy housekeeper, Alice. Sam walked out without saying goodbye. No, Mrs. Brady, my husband left
3: me a note written on paper from his butcher shop.
4: Dear Alice, I lied to you. I wasn't working nights plucking chickens. I met a younger woman. At first, we just traded meatloaf recipes. Then one night, she asked me over to season her rump roast.
0: Are you sure they didn't accidentally film this with a script from a Brady porno?
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll stop with the porno jokes. It's just too easy and out of character for this series.
0: Anyway... Sam the Butcher has left Alice for someone else. A plot that I'm sure isn't going to bear too much on the main story until it absolutely has to. Not unlike Alice herself. Other than the fact that she winds up staying with the Bradys for an indeterminate amount of time. Thus fulfilling our no-room-at-the-end quota for the show. And now that she's settled, it's only fair that Alice is let in on the Brady holiday secret-keeping. I'm gonna
4: treat Carol to a trip to Japan.
2: Mr. Brady, that is beautiful.
0: Damn yeah, it, no, don't say anything. Uh, what? And guess what? The same thing happens again. Well, I thought I would surprise Mike with a cruise to Greece. What do you think? I'm speechless. That's exactly what I am, speechless. (laughs) And again, I get that they need to stretch out a 30-minute sitcom into a 90-minute movie, but the average TV viewer's attention span in 1988 couldn't have been that minuscule. If I wanted to see them repeat the same stuff over and over again with pornish dialogue, I'd watch The Room.
4: You are tearing me apart, Lisa!
0: Act 2 begins with said inevitable conclusion to the Gift of the Magi allegory, as Mr. Brady visits a brick-and-mortar version of Expedia.com to book his Trip, and wouldn't you know, he stops in just seconds before the Wesson Oil spokeslady follows suit. Cue family-friendly hilarity in three, two.
3: All oh, our money's gone, and I came in here to surprise you with a trip.
0: Carol, did
4: you ever read O. Henry's Gift of the Magi? You mean? Yes. Oh
3: <laughs> my! Oh, I told you I was Mrs. Mike Brady. <laughs>
0: So now that nobody has to travel anywhere slash waste the movie's production budget on international locations, what are the Bradys going to do for the holidays? Don't answer that question yet, because we need to pay some lip service to the old series. But said lip service is actually going to get the plot in motion.
3: Remember our camping trip?
0: Which one? The
3: one where the boys almost got eaten by a
4: bear. Oh, <laughs> how could I forget? A bear! A bear! The bear. Then the bear leaves. You finally got what you wanted. <laughs> oh, yeah, what's
0: that?
3: Togetherness.
0: Oh. So, now that we've wasted 20% of the movie setting things up, we set things up even further by taking a peek inside the lives of the now grown up Brady children, starting with. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! As we're reintroduced to the husband that she met on the Brady brides, as well as her own kids. One girl and one boy who I'm gonna get
2: uh, you! Stop uh, squirting my uh, sister! I gotta get hey. Jessica wet! You don't have to get her wet! Yes, I do! I'll well, make them stop!
0: May legitimately give me something to hate about this movie. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. But before we get to that little hell spawn, it's time for some more Brady melodrama, courtesy of our de facto villain of the movie it's ted roberts as you know i hired your husband as the architect
4: i have done business with Advantage properties in the past i am doing business in the present that only leaves the future
3: look mr roberts i don't think i'm qualified to discuss structural modifications
4: Oh? Are you qualified to discuss losing a major account for your company?
0: Again, I'm sure this is all for padding purposes, but when the main story of a movie is the fact that six adult Brady kids come home, there should be plenty of stories to go around. The addition of an antagonist is as much unnecessary as it also slows down the plot, and we're still trying to build up the plot. Speaking of which, let's return to Marsha's drama where her hubby gives us some news the rough equivalent of a
5: football to the nose.
3: Did something happen at work this afternoon?
5: I don't know. I wasn't at work this afternoon. They let me go this morning.
3: The Tyler Toy Company fired you?
5: That's right. I won't be going there tomorrow or ever. Great. Now all of us can play with toys. Daddy doesn't like that word anymore. I mean, I gave them my best. I established markets they never had before. Then there's a merger and a consolidation and I'm gone.
0: I don't know what he's so worried about. At least he got laid off instead of getting fired for cause. He can live on unemployment. ...if Ronald Reagan didn't strip it to its bones by 1988. So, while Marsha and her own Brady Bunch have things to figure out... ...Act 3 starts out with Dr. Greg Brady... ...and a mustache that would give Tom Sellecks a run for his money. Mom,
4: Mom, Marcus down. I've got to run. Mrs. Powell's having
5: her baby.
3: How rude. She could at least have waited until I finished
0: talking. <laughs> I know, right? Don't you hate it when people give birth? It really ruins the flow of a conversation. Of course, for the sake of padding, it's not that simple, since Greg's wife, who conveniently enough is also his nurse, wants to continue her own Christmas tradition.
3: My folks invited us for Christmas.
0: I know, but we went to your folks last
5: year and the year before that.
3: So? Christmas together is a tradition in my family.
5: But this is the first time in years all the kids will be together.
3: I promised mom and dad.
5: Oh, that's worth considering.
3: Hey, what about me?
5: Just
0: breathe in and out, Mrs. Powell. And now that we've got that inconvenient childbirth out of the way, Mike and Carol enjoy a dinner together. Whoa.
4: What are the candles for?
3: Uh, Mike, I have something important to tell you.
0: Yeah? You're not pregnant. I said important, not ridiculous. Okay, that's three moments in a row where they knock pregnancies in this show. Was anybody in Sherwood Schwartz's family the victim of a bad epidural? I know he was studying to be a doctor of biology before he became a TV writer, but there's no need to rub the salt in the wound.
4: Sometimes I'm sorry you ever mention my name to Ted Roberts. He's the only thing ruining my Christmas.
0: If you think it's wrong, don't do it.
4: I haven't told you what he wants me to do.
0: (sighs) Blah, 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 padding, padding, padding. Let's see what our counterfeit Cindy is up to.
4: Steve? Uh, no, it's not Steve. Rory? No. Ross? I'm Cindy's father.
2: Oh, it's for you, it's
3: your dad. He sounds cute.
4: You have no
6: idea how much I'm fighting the urge to make a joke or a comment about what you
1: just said just now and the chains agree with
2: me besides I I do want to see my brothers and sisters and the whole family you're graduating college this is a time to bust out not a time to go home and listen to the same stories you've heard a hundred times you
3: know something You're right. I mean, why do I have to do what everybody else wants me to do?
0: Why, with sheer determination, you too can replace the original Cindy because she has her own priorities straight.
3: Exactly. For once, I'm going to do what I want to do. And what do you want to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll ask my folks.
0: Or that. Drama. And speaking of forced drama, we then return to what passes as an antagonist plot, where Mike tries to tell the big, mean real estate developer what he thinks of the changes that he wants made to the building.
4: I own a lot of buildings. I never had any problems, not one. I want you to keep that perfect record. That's the reason for the design modifications. I figured you might change your mind after you talk to your wife. Well, I can't for the life of me understand why you'd want to involve Carol in this.
5: Because this is
4: important to me. I'm not asking you to do anything that's against the building code. But you want heavier columns, and that requires larger footings, and that's almost adding 10% to my cost. Now that's hitting me
0: where I live.
4: Wait a minute, listen. And there's nothing that indicates these minute.
0: modifications are necessary. Yes, listen, you paid me. Which brings me to a simple question. Did the Brady Bunch need a bad guy? I mean, ever? It was just a family sitcom with family sitcom related problems. Granted, once in a while the kids did face off against a bully of sorts, but those were one off occasions. Did the Bradys themselves ever have or even need an adversary?
4: You know, the Lisp thing is really getting old. So why don't you hop back on the Swiss Miss package where you belong, huh?
0: Okay. Don't forget your jump rope. (laughs) That doesn't count. While we're pondering the necessity of such a thing, we've got three more Brady kids to check in with, including middle child, Peter.
2: I just got a phone call from my folks. And? And they invited me home for the holidays. And they want me to bring you along. That still bothers you?
3: I can't help it if I'm your boss, Peter. From 9 to 5, I may be the boss, but from 5 to 9... I am. (laughs) Relationships are about two people. Not Valerie.
0: Valerie. What? Hmm. Okay, I'm only going to ask this one more time strictly for my own edification. Are you absolutely sure they didn't film this with a script to a Brady Porno?
2: God. Oh, come
1: on! It's for research! It's
3: for research! Hey, what are we doing? Back to work, right, Peter. God. Nine to five, Peter.
0: Uh, one more for the road. As the Brady kids continue to grow up, especially in the swimsuit area we see what young Bobby is up to, as he trades his college education for a life in auto racing. Something that I'm sure won't bite him in the ass or anywhere else below the waistline a few years later. Spoiler alert, that's the subject of their next TV movie, and no, we're not covering that one. Way too depressing to talk about.
4: now yeah, when I called your room and your answering machine gave me this number,
0: I thought you were studying for exams.
5: Right, I am studying, but I'm not in my room. I'm at the library
4: library sounds like a lot of traffic in your library well they're doing some construction outside i'll call you back no no
0: hang on a minute i'll talk louder and now we begin act four as we finally get to the return of og jan brady and her life as a brady bride complete with the tv husband she met along the way but compared to everybody else's life theirs is
2: are you almost done
4: I'm moving my things out with as much alacrity as I can. I'd move out even more valid critically. If I could.
0: Good. Quite honestly, the most depressing thing I've seen here so far. And yet, I still have to give them props for highlighting actual drama in the Brady universe while everybody else continues to have a sunshine day, much to Ma and Pa Brady's contentment. The
3: kids are all healthy and they're coming home with their families for the holidays. Ted Roberts is finally out of our lives. Yes, I have every right to be beaming.
4: Honey, do
0: you want to see me beam?
2: I'd love to.
0: I'm not going to ask that question again. I said I wouldn't. I'm going to keep telling myself not to. And while we get those thoughts out of our head, let's manufacture more padded drama by adding a few more will-they-won't-they they scenarios, like Greg's wife not wanting to go because she would miss her own family.
3: Kevin saw my parents last Christmas and the Christmas before. My folks will understand if you go to your folks with Kevin.
5: Oh, you mean it.
3: I know how much you want to see your family again, and, and I, I don't want to disappoint mine.
5: You know something, Nurse Brady?
0: You're kind of special.
3: You're all right yourself, Dr. Brady.
0: (laughs) Uh, Just keep telling yourself it's not a porno. It's not a porno. It's not a porno. Thankfully, we have a travel montage that sees Alice picking up all the Brady kids while Mom and Dad rearrange the sleeping arrangements.
4: Well, according to my calculations, all this sleep paraphernalia will go into various sleeping quarters throughout Camp Brady.
0: Yes,
3: sir, General.
4: Alice will meet him at the airport, collect the luggage, and arrange for him to get here.
3: You mean we have to move all this stuff?
4: Yeah. Any questions?
3: Yeah, just one.
4: What?
0: What?
3: How do I transfer out of this chicken
0: outfit? And since this hijinktacular sequence brings us right up to the end of the first half, something else I gotta wonder. Aside from some seriously questionable dialogue choices and more padding than a booth at a local diner, I legitimately don't see anything bad with this movie. Sort of in the same way that I didn't see anything bad with Christmas Comes to Packland, even though it, too, has its flaws. The difference between that and this is that I have to find flaws with this, or otherwise these chains are going to squeeze my soul out of existence.
1: We'll see if I can survive the squeeze. After the break.
4: Friday night is family night on ABC. Join the Brady Bunch Alice and Greg And Carol and Mike Marsha and Jan and Cindy And Peter and Bobby and Tiger What is it? Our house With eight bedrooms And then spend some time with Nanny and the professor And Butch and Hal And Prudence and Waldo What do
2: you think about that, Dad?
4: Well, I think that I'd rather not think about it and then it's the Partridge family. Shirley and Keith. Uh-huh. Danny and Laurie. Uh-huh. Chris and Tracy. Uh-huh. And Reuben. You are making me a nervous wreck. Remember, Friday night is family night with Alice and Greg and Shirley and Hal and Walt. This
1: week on Telehealth's premium content of the Dam.
4: I must have the wrong house.
2: Sister. <laughs> oh, I missed you so much. They waited up all night for you, you know. It's
4: a long way from West Africa. Oh, real coffee.
2: He's here.
4: I brought you something from far away.
2: <laughs> really?
4: Oh. <laughs> what are you doing?
2: You're my present this year.
4: The best part
2: of waking up Is folders in your cup
1: The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of The Damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. For just a few bucks a month, you can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. And now... Back to this week's torture. You may think I'm hating this, but the joke's on you. This is now the skinniest I've been in years.
0: (laughs) So now, all the Brady kids come home, each happy to see each other and each bringing their predetermined problems along with them. To recap, Marsha has an unemployed husband and two annoying wiener kids, Jan is on the outs with her husband, Cindy is still being treated like the baby of the family, Bobby dropped out of school to take up auto racing, Greg wanted his wife to come along even though she wanted to be with her own family, and Peter is dipping his Peter in company ink.
5: Everybody got
0: that? Good! So now that everybody's family is together, let the headaches begin.
3: Peter and Valerie,
0: you lose. Peter and Valerie, you lose. One hell of a greeting.
4: Don't you hear the quiet? You're the first one. <laughs> but not for long.
2: Oh, hey. hi, <laughs> hey, yeah, Kevin, you little devil. Hey. I'm
3: so glad to see you. Wally, everybody loses a job. It's nothing to be
1: ashamed of. We still love you, Daddy. Sure we do, Dad, even if you're down and
0: out. I swear to Satan, there's something about this kid that I just can't quite put my finger on. <sighs> for the sake of this being a podcast, I should probably describe him as an ankle-biter with more red hair than that kid from Problem Child, with more of a wanton need for toys and less a need of destruction, but still just as annoying. I'll figure it out, I, I promise.
2: Hi, <laughs> Hi! <laughs>
0: How did you get to be so tall
3: you're a doctor you know growth is a natural process
0: well that and a completely different physiology considering you're literally not the same person as the person who originally played you but i digress now let's get to some holiday mingling with the brady Kids' kids
5: okay kevin if you do it i'll do it Nikki, leave him alone he's gonna break his neck so then i'll know it's dangerous
0: Something about a red-headed brat with a bull haircut looking to cause trouble is making me think of something very familiar. Not the problem child kid, but I, I can't put my finger on it. Anyway, more family mingling.
2: Dolls with dolls of Holly,
4: Tis the season to be jolly.
0: I'll give them credit for one thing. At least they sounded more natural singing here than they ever did on the Variety Hour.
4: Mickey, you want to see your next Christmas? Yes. Don't ever do that again.
0: Son of a bitch, this is going to drive me nuts. Red hair, bowl cut, kid who wants to get in trouble, not the kid from Problem Child. Who the here else could it possibly be that he reminds me of? Damn it. Let's move on to Act 5. The family is trimming the tree, and slowly but surely, the Brady family are unraveling everybody else's problems, starting with Marsha's unemployed hubby. You're
4: a lucky man, Wally. I am? Yeah. With your job at Tyler Toy's, I'm sure you get free samples. That's got to come in handy at Christmas time.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just the way I look at it, too. Yeah. I'm lucky. Well, I got to
3: hand it to you, Bobby. You sure seem confident.
5: Me? Why? About what?
3: Well, it's almost time for final exams, and you didn't bring home one single book.
5: Oh, that well. Excuse me, Bobby, but I've been waiting to see you. And
0: quite honestly, this is the biggest problem that I have with this movie. As a viewer, I want to care about what everybody's problems are, but they're just so common. Like somebody gets fired, it happens. Somebody wants a divorce, it happens. The youngest child of the family wants to be treated like an adult. It happens. Dropping out of college, getting into a relationship with somebody you work with, being separated for the holidays... All of the above tends to happen to millions of people a day, And the fact that these so-called problems are common ones just further adds to the padding problem that this movie has. Especially in a world where even the biggest problems that anybody could have will be resolved in about 22 minutes. I know they're trying to go for the light-hearted drama here, but how about upping the ante a little? Like, when everybody's sleeping.
5: When I think about losing my job, I worry. When I worry, I get nervous. When I get nervous, I start grinding my teeth. When I start grinding my teeth, I think about going to the dentist. And you know, he always finds something wrong. And everything that he finds wrong always costs a lot of money. And so then I start thinking about the bill he's going to send me and how I'm going to pay for all that dental work. And it's dental work I wouldn't need if I didn't start grinding my teeth because I was worried about my job that I lost in the first place.
0: Jeez, I thought I went on meaningless tangents. Next relative. I'm not pleased about this.
3: You think I am? My parents think a double bed is appropriate
4: i don't like this any more than you do
3: in that case
4: next i'm not in school anymore when did you drop out a year ago are you racing cars yep
2: (laughs) i know mom and dad would think it was too dangerous They want me in business school adding assets and debits. Next. I'll tell you something. I've always been a little sister. And I've always
3: been expected to do what everybody else wants. But you've got such a great family. Oh, I know, I know. And I like being here. For fuck's sake. Next. You always fell asleep in the strangest places while you were doing research or grading papers.
4: And you'd cover me?
3: Did you think there was a blanket fairy?
4: I never really thought about it.
3: I know.
6: Can we please look at something interesting? It's hard to criticize things when all that's being done is pad things out even further than they already need to be. Uh, what about the wiener kids? There's gonna be something there. We're
2: going to the bathroom. One thing,
1: Uncle Peter, where's the bathroom?
2: Uh it's uh it's up there, first door on your right. Hey you two out of here. We thought you girls were the bathroom!
0: Okay, now I know for certain that I'm being punished. More so than I usually am around here, but still. It's bad enough that I have to review bad TV shows. But it's even worse when I have to review something where nothing happens. We're just about 75% of the way through the movie, and all we're getting is stale repetition. And that's not exactly helping me loosen things up around here.
5: You want a piece of pie?
4: Sure. Looks like one of Alice's specials. It is. Here, let the doctor make the incision.
5: Thought we heard one of
0: Alice's pies being sliced. What are you guys doing up? Couldn't sleep. Yeah, I got things on my mind. Now, you may think that that bit with the Brady boys cutting up one of Alice's pies is not important to the story. And it's not. But at the rate they keep mentioning it in the next act, you'd think it was a bigger plot twist than finding out that Rosebud was the sled, as we soon see all the Brady kids and their significant others looking at each other with a sense of regret. Not the premature pie-eating, but possibly saying yes to this movie. All the while, Mrs. Brady's mom instinct kicks in. Do
3: you think that everything's okay with the kids?
0: Why?
3: I don't know. I, I just have this feeling that something... Uh-oh. Is
4: such- Here it comes. Women's intuition, huh?
3: Well, you know I'm usually right about these things.
0: An instinct that fully kicks in at the start of Act 6 when Ma Brady tries to fix the broken marriage between Jan and her husband. Jan. What? Perhaps we should have discussed this before it was too late.
3: Philip, if it were too late, do you really think we would have come here to spend Christmas together?
2: Jan. Yes? Maybe we should... What? Have our discussion... (laughs)
3: Thanks, Mom, for bringing us back together.
2: Thanks, Mom.
3: Mom, Me? All I said was, time to get up. (laughs) You can be late for breakfast.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake, it's not a porno. It's not a porno.
0: It's not a porno. It's not a porno. Anyway, problem number one solved as we head over to Pa Brady, Marsha's hubby, and her wiener kid of a son all out jogging. It was the 80s.
4: Hey, Leonard! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Mike. Doing your 8 o'clock beating? Yeah, you can set your clock by it. (laughs) You and Wally have a lot in common. Leonard's Leonard Prescott at Prescott Toys. Uh, Really? Prescott Toys? Yeah. He makes toys, you sell them.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Mike, remember I told you my best salesman relocated about a month ago? I wonder if Wally would be interested. And problem number two solved. Presumably... If job interviews were that easy, the people up in the surface world wouldn't have such a hard time hiring people. As we move on to Christmas dinner, where it turns out
5: that confession is good for the soul. Well, I haven't been honest with the family. I lost my job, and because I wasn't honest, I almost lost a wonderful new job I got from Mr. Prescott. So I'd just like to tell everyone that I'm sorry.
3: Don't be sorry. Just be Wally.
5: And just as Marcia and her hubby show
0: a passionate display in front of the entire family,
6: including her children, and I continue to question whether this was supposed to be a porno
3: or not,
1: we get the first of our many references to pies. Uh,
3: Sorry folks, I was just looking for those pies I baked for dessert and I... Well, I guess I'll go back in the kitchen and try and figure out what happened to them.
0: Followed by Cindy's confession. I
3: mean, I just wish sometimes that everybody would stop thinking of me as little Cindy and start
2: looking at me as someone older.
0: You're right. We should have asked you to come home and, instead of telling you. Family problem number three solved. On to Bobby. I never wanted to hurt you either, but I'm not in graduate school anymore. I dropped out a year ago to become a race car driver.
2: I looked everywhere for those pies and...
0: Quiet,
6: Alice. Bobby's foreshadowing. It's what I've always wanted to do. I know that you and Dad really want me to
4: finish my business course. Yes, we do. We always wanted you to be happy, too. Driving is
0: what makes me happy, so that's what I'm doing. Whether we approve or not. Problem number four solved and another serving of pie.
3: Is this a good time for me to talk about the missing pies? No, no. Alice.
0: And now Peter's turn.
3: I have an idea. Why don't I count to Three. And then you can both ask the question at the same time. One, two...
4: Will you marry marry me? me? (laughs) That's the dumbest proposal I ever heard.
0: And problem number five solved. And the one thing I'm noticing about this act is that it takes less than half as long to solve the problems as they do setting them up. While at the same time, the problems themselves remain as bland as toasted styrofoam with Vaseline. Don't ask how I know how that tastes. I just know I'm going to need a lot of Vaseline once I get these chains off me. (laughs) Anyway, that's five out of six of the Brady kids and still no resolution on Alice's Pies. When suddenly...
2: Coming! (laughs) Nora! Oh, 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 Merry Christmas!
0: That shouldn't have been an issue Got its issue resolved (sighs) Look, I'm trying with this I really am But the past 80 minutes Have been so full of non-issues That I'm legitimately trying to find Reasons to care here Let alone reasons to hate this
1: And it better happen soon Because my lungs are starting to turn Into a pancake
4: (sighs) Trouble at the Roberts job. They've had a cave in and two security guards are trapped.
3: But well, why didn't they call the architect to replace you?
4: He's out of town for the holidays. I'm the only one they thought could help him. Got to go.
3: Mike, be careful.
0: No really? The non villain that got shoehorned into this movie is now getting himself shoehorned in near the end of it? At least Gilligan Island had a pair of Russians chasing him for a good half of that movie. What good is trying to force force drama into this story with ten minutes to go? We find out as Act 7 takes us to the construction site that Pa Brady warned would be unsafe with cut corners, only to find out that (gasps) the building turned out to be unsafe with cut corners! And now, it's up to the man who did an ethnically questionable Christopher Columbus impression to save the day
4: the forms have shifted off the foundations is there anyone around here who can handle that cat yeah well sure I can handle it it's been a while but I was a construction foreman all right take it around the south side start trenching over there
5: yeah but won't that cause it to collapse further Ted
4: it's the only way I know how to relieve the stress well whatever you say Mike come on get to it okay
0: And as much as I'm questioning just how much that forced drama is being shoehorned in right now, at least this is somewhat compelling, and it beats all of the non-issues that have taken place so far. All that we need to make it even more compelling is if they put the Brady patriarch in mortal danger
2: and...
0: Okay, fair enough.
3: From what we've been able to learn, a local architect, Mike Brady, is still in the collapsed building, where two security guards are known to be trapped. Mrs. Brady, we understand that your husband is in there trying to rescue the two men. Yes, he is. You must be very, very proud of him.
0: Well, it looks like the end may very well be near for the beloved Mike Brady. And at a moment like this, I wish there was some way to ease the tension... Especially knowing that a famous TV father may be gone for... I got it! I got it! I got it! I got it! I know who the bratty redhead kid of Marsha's reminds me of. It's the same bratty redhead who terrorized Bugs Bunny in that one cartoon! I want a leaf stick! I want a leaf stick! I want a leaf stick! I want to boy! Why, you little... Whew. That's been driving me nuts! Uh, but now, back to the serious stuff. As well as the reminder that anything can be solved with the power of Christmas and flashbacks.
3: Hey, do you remember that Christmas uh, when you lost your voice? I remember, Cindy. and triumph.
0: you too can realize that nobody ever dies in a Christmas movie, unless your last name is Gruber. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I've already accepted my death a long time ago. I might as well accept that, too. And now, to put the cherry on top, one last bit of lip service to yet another holiday staple.
3: Folks, this is a Christmas story with a really happy ending, and I just noticed the street sign on the corner. It looks like another miracle on 34th
0: Street. Well, what the here did you expect out of a very Brady Christmas? The guy from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 saying garbage day? Regardless, all's well that ends well. The Bradys get to enjoy their Christmas dinner, and everybody's problems gets resolved with time to spare. Enough time, in fact, that we find out what we already know about Alice's pies.
4: Alice, we confess. The whole bunch of us finished off those pies last night. Oh, that's terrible. A bunch? I didn't get any.
0: Yay! Anticlimax. climax Yay! With plenty of time left over to have an appearance by Santa, who they randomly led into the house. I know the Bradys are the epitome of family TV, but they still live in the suburbs of Los Angeles. <laughs> I wouldn't let a random stranger in unless I had a pit bull trained to aim for the crotch. But again, family movie. <laughs>
5: Oh. you really Santa Claus. Where's your bag of presents? out!
2: No, stop it! Well, it
0: makes so much sense now. I feel so much better for getting it. But that's not why Santa's here. Sorry, kids. I just have one present for Alice. <sighs> oh right, that was still a thing. I was so riveted by the lack of drama followed by the shoehorn drama that I completely forgot to care. I've been
4: a fool, Alice. It's
0: Christmas. Please have the spirit. Do you have it in your heart to take me back?
4: Sam, don't you ever
2: do anything like that again.
0: Well, like the Beastie Boys once said, like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. I was
1: referencing a song lyric. That wasn't a porno jump. Uh oh! I think that was one too many! I didn't want this to be the end! Was that my spine?
6: Oh, ho, 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 ho! I hear the sound of a candy cane snapping and. Oh, my! Let me get you out of those chains!
0: I totally forgot I had that in my pants pocket. Well,
6: like I said last year, if you're ever in trouble, Uh, just snap the cane and I'll come by. Kinda convenient that you happen to snap it just as I was coming
0: by to pick up this year's naughty list. And not to get into semantics, but... Should that count since I didn't snap it by hand? Sorry.
6: Only one per customer whether the snapping of the cane is intentional or not. It's kind of a legal red tape thing between you and your boss and the other guy upstairs. A long story. Understandable. And besides, didn't you know what you were getting yourself into by reviewing A Very
0: Brady Christmas? Well, at first... I thought it was just the boss torturing me for saying that I didn't want to review it. Well, not for the reasons you may think. I made it clear that I have nothing against the Bradys in the grand scheme of things. But that variety show... That stupid, stupid variety show... It just made me prepare myself for the worst. Thing is... It was the complete opposite of what I was expecting it to be. Opposite how? I was just getting to that once I get to the Nine Circles. I'll be happy to explain it to you if you don't mind sticking around. (laughs) Well, I'd
6: love to, but it's literally hours before Christmas Day, and I gotta head downstairs to get the naughty list. I hope you understand. But it sounds to me like you've once again come across something that's good despite a preconceived reputation it may have already had, either by yourself or others. Just remember what I told you when you reviewed that Pac-Man show last year. Just because something is hallowed ground to some doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Also, you may be criticizing something for its flaws, but that doesn't mean you have to agree with what everybody else says. Why do you think I let cinema Sins and Rift Tracks cover It's a Wonderful Life last year?
0: I wouldn't know. Our internet connection down here is a single 56k modem being shared by billions of sinners for all of eternity. Point taken.
6: Anyway, good luck with the review and try not to make the boss too angry. Also, keep an eye out. I may have something for you the next morning. Now then, on Dasher! On Dancer, the Professor and Marianne. Ho, 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 ho.
0: Thanks again, Santa. Well then, now that I've avoided a tight squeeze, where does A Very Brady Christmas find room at the inn of Telehell? It's fitting that there are as many original cast members as there are circles down here. Limbo,
6: lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery! Let's
0: get the easy part out of the way first. The matter of fake Cindy. Someone who only existed because original Cindy wanted too much money to cancel her honeymoon. And while that may sound noble on the surface, getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to cut off a vacation, any vacation, can still be perceived as greedy. And said greed resulted in the role of Cindy being recast. And while Jennifer Runyon did do an okay job, points for originality matter a great deal. So you know we gotta mark this one for some fraud. But as for the movie itself, the fact that it pulled in an impressive 25.1 rating and a 39% share of the audience when it aired, and only still wound up the second most popular TV movie of 1988, says quite a lot. So much so that CBS and Sherwood Schwartz quickly agreed to bring back The Bradys as a full-fledged, hour-long melodrama in 1990. Uh, sorry for pausing, I'm just waiting for the lightning on that one. Nothing? Even for a show that aired only six episodes and also had a fake Marsha? Ho 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 ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to me! Thanks again, Santa! Getting back to the movie. Yes, it was planned. Yes, it was cheesier than Wisconsin's Dairy Reserves. And yes, there was more padding in it than the jacket that Ralphie's brother from A Christmas Story wore. But in comparison to the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, it's a goddamn masterpiece. But only in comparison to that. By itself, not only is it par for the course on all other Brady-related media, it's the kind of TV movie that's the rough equivalent of most Hallmark cards. Sappy, corny, and on some rare occasions, they even elicit a laugh or two. And the whole thing is perfectly harmless. Though, speaking of things that are illicit, I know it was the 1980s, I know all the Brady kids have grown up by that point, and I know this aired during a time when primetime TV was starting to push an envelope or two but I legitimately never thought that the Brady family was this horny. Between Mike and Carol making sure their equipment still works, to Alice and Sam exchanging meat metaphors, to Peter and his boss having an office fling, to Jan and her hubby, quote, skipping breakfast to reconnect with each other, to Marcia and her husband PDAing in front of the entire family, it kind of makes me wonder how repressed that family was back in the 70s so they could let loose the lust here. Either that or Alice spiked the eggnog with some extra mistletoe, which, I'm surprised, didn't kill anybody once they drank it. As much as I hate to admit it, a very Brady Christmas earns three out of nine circles of telehealth. And I guess having something with very little to criticize was the second gift I got this year. So thanks again for a third time, Santa. And this is normally the part of the show where we wrap things up with something quirky or stupid that's related to the subject that we just covered. But not unlike our first subject, Jackie Gleason, did on one Christmas, I'd like to step out of character, out of the fire, and especially out of the echo, to wish everybody out there a very happy holiday. Whatever it is you celebrate, whether it's Christmas tomorrow of the day after, Hanukkah back in November, or even if you don't celebrate anything at all, Christmas falls on a Saturday this year, and Saturdays are always good. This is going to be the last telehell for 2021. And while the real world may have been more of a hell than we want it to be right now, it isn't half as hellish without some good people behind the scenes, or just giving out moral support. So on that note, a special thank you to the 300-plus followers that we have on Twitter feed that aren't bots the considerably lesser amount of them that we have in our Facebook feed, and of course all our patrons on our Patreon page. We hope that in 2022, the stuff that we cover on the show is less preachy and more painful. And we also hope that the next 13 episodes that we're going to do will live up to that pain. We're going to take a holiday break and then return with new episodes. Three in a row to start the year off, but then we're going to go back to that bi-weekly schedule we told you about, and that's all going to be starting on January 23rd, 2022. And if you don't remember that date, just remember it's as easy as one, two, three. Thanks for listening this year, and as always... If it's not in telehell. It's not worth a damn. Wow, that was weird. I did that out of character. Must have been all the chain squeezing around my neck. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976. And all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. TeleHell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Now that everybody is getting mysterious chemicals injected into their arms, that can only mean one thing. It's almost safe to socialize with people again. So why not get a head start on that and follow us on our social feeds, Twitter and Facebook, both at Podcast. By the way, shows like bees aren't cheap. Do what you can and can what you do at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast.